personal presence of God is not merely some force or influence that we seek, but a personal, real, life-changing dynamic of a living God who abides in us, dwells among us, and wants to encounter us. An encounter is a divine appointment with God. It becomes a specific time in your life when God shows up. Understand that life is not just about the ordinary. There's a supernatural side to it. It is the element you need to make all the difference in your life. This divine collision leaves a life-changing impact on you and every negative circumstance will be broken off your life. But what if divine invitations are regularly being given to us, but we overlook them or miss out for various reasons? In this episode of Keep It 100, we will expand the conversation on divine encounters, give some crucial principles, and have a life-changing interview with author of When God Breaks In, Ben Hughes. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight, your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Hey, this is your boy, Sean. We're so honored to be with you. Thanks again for just tuning in for another episode. And just like last week's, I loved it. I love this week's. We're talking again about encounters. And so we want to share some personal encounters we've had the last few weeks as we've ministered in some really amazing locations. We just kind of want to share with you what we're seeing God do around the nation. It's so exciting. You know, Sean and I have just been seeing God move in incredible places. And one of the places I wanted to highlight really quick was the She Conference and Huntsville, Alabama with the Rock Family Worship Center. One of my favorite churches, one of my favorite leaders. I'm Rusty and Lisa Nelson. Love them dearly, deeply. They're dear, dear friends of ours. And you know, every year they do this massive women's conference, but in 2020, they had to do it virtual. They had to do it online. So it was so special to be able to gather this year. And we had, I believe, 600 women come out. And that was a really good response considering how slow people have been a bit to come back and gather in person. So we were so encouraged. Uh, There was many churches that were represented. People came out regionally. It was super powerful. And we just saw God call the Esters to arise. And what was so powerful about that is I had this word that I believe God was calling women to arise in this hour, not pushing men out of their place, but Esters and Mordecai coming together to step into what God's called for this hour. And the women responded. There was this tangible electricity of the Spirit of God that went through the room. And it was, it really was so special what God did at that time. That is incredible. You know, and so the next place we went was at Floodgates. So you and I were in two different locations. Then we met up outside Detroit in Brighton, Michigan. And we were with this hungry, hungry church. And it was such an honor to, to be a part of what God's doing there. And we saw God move. So many salvations, healings. And I'd love for you to share that one specific healing about that young high school kid that got totally radically healed in the Sunday night service. Yeah, there was some high school kid there that had a pretty bad soccer injury that affected, I think, his ankle and his leg, and he had a brace on. And I love it. During our healing time, some other teenagers went and laid hands on him as we were just calling for corporate healing. And in that anointing, the kid got healed, took off his brace, jumped up and down, ran around. It was just amazing. There were so many different healings. And this church grew by a thousand during 2020 quarantine because they didn't shut their doors and they went Holy Ghost. They didn't dumb down the gospel. And when people came that uh, maybe were from more conservative, maybe even cessationist backgrounds, they saw the power of the spirit and they just dove in both feet. And so these people joined the church. So they grew in about a six month span by a thousand people. They went from also I was at CFNI and it was amazing to be there for the voice of healing conference. 
And it's profound because obviously CF and I, the Lindsay family founded years ago by Gordon uh, and Frida Lindsay. And now Dennis and Ginger headed up and Golan. And it was amazing. We had healings in his voice of healing. I did Tuesday night live. Pete kids packed the altar. And then the next day, the start at the conference or annual healing conference. It was amazing. And then finally, we ended up in Joliet, just outside of Chicago, Illinois. And it was powerful. We did it some really training. Was on prophetic evangelism, then you preach Sunday morning. Yeah, I did first service, 9 a.m., and we just had such a beautiful response. It was really a weighty presence of God, uh, and we got it. We just flowed from one service to the next service. There wasn't even a break, and a lot of people just stayed through from first service, second service, and then Sean ministered second service, and it was so powerful. It was really profound, and it was just to see as many people get impacted. And even while you were yeah. ministering, someone got healed where they left their crutch yeah, at the altar. Right. Another lady that had like just significant dizzy spells and vertigo, yeah. she got healed on the spot. Come on, Jesus. So it was just profound. It was really incredible. As some of you listeners may know, and some of you may not know, that we lost another general. David Young E. Cho, who pastored Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea, the largest church in the history of the world, easily a million people. Uh, and he oversaw many church plants. He went to be with the Lord. But it's really interesting because as we're talking about encounters, I remember back when I was in Chico, Krista, there was a, a gentleman, he was up in age at the time, named Lou Richards. I'd go and sit and talk with this guy. Well, the history behind it is Lou Richards discipled and mentored Cho because Lou Richards was a missionary in Seoul, Korea. Wow. And during those formative years. And so what I come to find out is David Young E. Cho, as a teenager, one day found blood gushing out of his mouth, filled his lungs. He found himself in a hospital bed. Doctor came in, gave him a diagnosis of incurable tuberculosis, wow. sent him home with three months to live. Oh but during goodness. that time, uh, he cried out to Buddha, but Buddha did not answer. But a young high school girl witnessed him about Jesus. She left a Bible. Now get mm. this. He started reading at Genesis and the high school girl, she said, you don't have enough time for that. You need to start reading at Matthew. As he started reading the Gospels, he encountered a Jesus that healed. And here is David Young, he chose a teenager, got healed of incurable tuberculosis. And that encounter raised him up out of his deathbed. Wow. And then another encounter released him to pioneer and to pastor the largest church in the history of the world. People's stories are absolutely incredible. And it's amazing because there's so many stories that are incredibly inspiring, but you see the valleys people had to go through in order to have some of the greatest encounters that we've witnessed. And, you know, it's interesting because right now I'm watching so many people go through dilemmas, go through struggles, go through real drama that's so devastating right yeah. now. But like we were just saying a moment ago, sometimes your drama, sometimes your dilemma, sometimes that struggle, that thing you're going through is actually prophesying to you. There's actually purpose often behind the struggles in which you're going through. You know, I think God at times allows us to face dilemmas in order to reveal, reveal the greatness of His power. And what appears to be a no-win situation is actually a situation in which God is going to be more glorified because of maybe what was uh, not possible has now become possible because God's now in the equation. And we see God then glorified in our lives of those who love and obey Him, but walking in that place of faith and trusting Him. Him, and it, in the end result is an encounter that changes everything. You know, we see this in Exodus 14. You know, this is when the Israelites find themselves in this very precarious situation. They've just fled Egypt. They've just left the bondage of slavery. They're now escaping, you know, the hard rule of Pharaoh. But God's people are stuck between the Red Sea 
And now the Egyptian army is coming up behind them in hot pursuit, and they find themselves in a hard situation, and what we would say a no-win situation. That's right. The Red Sea's in front of them, the Egyptian army's behind them, and what do they do? And even though they've been obedient to God, they're still in this you know, perilous situation, which seems to have no out. And yet it's exactly in that dilemma, that precarious situation, that the nation of Israel has their greatest encounter. I think you make a great point, Krista. You know what? Our listeners, I just want to remind you, God uses dilemmas. Yes. And he uses dilemmas, just like Krista was describing the Israelites, to position his people to see supernatural power. Because when the Israelites were in God's will, even though they faced dilemmas all along, God had an encounter ready for him. And speaking of encounters, our guest today is going to share that when he was 14 years of age and was severely bullied to the point of hospitalization, he was already at that point heavily dependent on drinking alcohol. One encounter with Jesus changed everything. I want you guys to get ready as we talk to Ben Hughes, the author of When God Breaks In. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you are in for a special treat. We have a special friend of Krista and I's, Ben Hughes, Poured Out Ministries. This dude has authored a book, which he's going to tell us about, that has to do with encounters called When God Breaks In. We are so excited to have him. Although he and his wife reside here in North America, they are Aussies, like like the the best accent in the entire world is an Australian accent. Ben, what's going on, bro? G'day, Sean. How you doing? (laughs) So good to be with you. I'm telling you, the the Aussies, man, I love it because whatever you guys do, you guys do all out, all oh. out. If it's surfing, if it's hunting, if it's preaching, if it's going after God, all out. Man, it's so great because we first met, I mean, it's been a number of years ago, but we met together with a group of some ministers and friends down in Los Angeles that we would gather together annually and always catch up. And man, it's just so Awesome to have you here on Keeping 100. Tell me, man, what's been going on with you? What's been going on in the ministry? What, what are you seeing? Sean, uh, we love you guys. We love you and Krista. We love just your faithfulness and you're just hard out, just pursuing all that God is doing. And and we are living in such exciting days, you know? Uh, I mean, look, let, let's, let's acknowledge the fact that these are in some ways just like some of the toughest days that we've all been in collectively. You know, I think probably in our lifetime, that's fair to say, um, lots of, lots of crazy stuff going on in the world. But at the same time, you know, we are seeing God move like never before. We've had the most fruitful, I mean, in, in the since 2020 started, you know, we've had the most fruitful soul winning season of our entire ministry. You know, we've been in ministry together more than 25 years, my wife and I, and um, the last 18 months to, to nearly two years now, this has been the most fruitful soul winning season. We're seeing more miracles happen at an at a increased rate than ever before. We're seeing, you know, deliverance, you know, people getting set free from, from demonic spirits and uh, people encountering Jesus. It's an amazing and exciting day to be alive. Yeah, you know, um, and often, um, and I know that this isn't the whole subject of our, our conversation today, but, you know, in the, all through the Gospels and through Acts, there was always healing and deliverance kind of went together, you know, and and so equally, we're seeing these miracles just, just beginning to pop at a more frequent rate. I mean, just in the last month, you know, so we're not talking about months ago or years ago, in the last month, uh, one time we were in a meeting in North Carolina, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for deaf ears. 
you know, and and so I asked anybody who had any kind of um, hearing problem just to come up the front. And I mean, we're talking, there's a couple thousand people out on an open field with uh, Saturate um, in North Carolina. And uh, and I just prayed. I prayed like like we would always pray. We go after it, you know, rebuke any kind of spirit of infirmity, affliction, any deaf and dumb spirit, release healing in Jesus' name. And so then we asked for testimony and uh, at least 30 people, Sean, testified that their ears immediately popped open. You know, um, two, two examples, one lady came up on the stage and she had been in a, a violent situation and a gun was actually fired right beside her ear and it deafened her. She couldn't hear, like a pistol was, was fired and, uh, and God immediately opened her ear. Um, the, 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 the one that really got me, though, a dad came up, you know, probably – maybe maybe 40 year old and he came up and he said his young son when he was was like four or five somewhere around there when he had his tonsil surgery he had his tonsils out something went wrong apparently this is a very rare thing that can happen but something went wrong and they actually severed a nerve which severed his hearing so he went completely deaf this young boy completely deaf and from four years old i think he's 15 now and when we prayed his ear instantly popped open and he said dad i can hear You've written a book called When God Breaks In, and it's about encounters. And I feel like you hit a prophetic bead in the spirit because I feel like right now, and I, I'd mentioned it on the, our podcast before, the Lord spoke to me about three years ago and says, I'm, I'm opening the encounter realm over the Western world. And we think of the Eastern world, they're more in touch in terms of belief systems, albeit many times in error, but they're more open to the spirit realm. But the, us English speaking nations, we kind of pride ourselves on our logic, our analytics, our intelligence. But I feel like just like what's taking place over Africa, over the Middle East, over some Indian, other nations, I feel like in the area of God revealing the son Jesus, like dreams in the night or visitations or encounters, you you talk about these in your book. And man, I am so excited to unpack that. So I want to throw some questions at you, if that's okay. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. What was your earliest encounter? And to date, what's been your most significant? Yeah, well, my earliest encounter was definitely when I got saved, you know, and um, my testimony in a, in a very short version, you know, I grew up in New Zealand. Um, so I'm, I'm actually like, I'm half New Zealand, half Australian. I've spent half my life in both and now I'm becoming American, right? <laughs> so, um, but, you know, growing up in New Zealand, I, I knew I'd heard of Jesus, but I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I didn't grow up going to church or anything like that. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of bullying and a lot of, you know, physical violence, like at school, my family life was great, but my school life was horrendous. And I don't mean just name calling. I was, I was, I had the snot beaten out of me hundreds and hundreds of times. I, I came home many days with split lips, black eyes. Uh, one day I got beat up so bad. Um, I had to go and see a plastic surgeon. My, um, my cheekbones were fractured. And that was actually by the, the captain of my rugby team in my classroom, simply because these other kids in the class were trying to push us together to make us have a fight, you know, and, and he just snapped and, and, and just kind of laid into me. They held me down and he, and he uppercut me in the face 11 times. And because of that, there was so much rejection that just came in, you know, like the, you can imagine the physical trauma was horrendous, but worse than that was the emotional trauma. Like the one person in the room who was supposed to be defending me was the one who was doing this to me. And so by the age of 14, I was already heavily abusing alcohol. I was just trying to fit in. And a, a young kid in my classroom invited me to come to a camp. It was a Youth for Christ camp 
in New Zealand on a remote farm in the Bay of Islands, which is right up the north of New Zealand. And it's a beautiful part of the country, but it's remote and it's a sheep farm, right? And so so one week a year, they'd convert the the sheep, um, like the shed where they would share the sheep (laughs) as a tongue twister, right? (laughs) They'd kick all the sheep out and they'd just turn it into like a meeting place and they'd put down hay bales and there would be 1,500 young people. This wasn't a small camp. 1,500 young people sitting on hay bales inside a barn, basically. And, you know, I heard the preacher share the gospel and it was really the first time I really heard the gospel clearly and it was like he was speaking just to me. And he said, you know, Ben, Jesus is alive. He loves you. He chose you. He died on the cross for you. He has a plan to give you hope and a future, but you need to say yes to him. You need to choose him. He's chosen you. Now you get to choose him. And they gave a, he gave an altar call, you know, and said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to put your hand up. So right there in that barn at 15, I put my hand up and then I went down the front and I remember it so clearly, Sean, like standing in the dirt and in the hay. I remember the smell right at the front in the middle. I gave my life to Jesus. And while I was standing there, I felt the tangible love of God. Come on. And then and then I heard the the still small voice of the Lord. I know now that's that's what it was, but uh, this this small voice on the inside of me. He said, "Ben, the King of Kings, the God of all gods, the creator of the universe loves you, died for you, chose you, has a plan for your life to give you a hope and a future. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you." Wow. And it was like, "Wow, you know." And the next day I woke up a different person. So I went to bed in my tent that night. I woke up the next day, Sean, and I woke up a different person. I mean, the Bible talks about being born again. I was literally born again. I came out of my tent the next morning and everything, I felt free. I felt light. I felt clean. I felt like I could fly. Um, that, that same morning while I'm kind of out there, I hear this announcement come over the loudspeaker and it says, I said, for attention campers, for anybody uh, who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're having a special meeting at 10 o'clock. And I was like, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but I want, I want it. I want it. And so at 10 o'clock, I went back to the wool shed and I had another encounter with the power of God. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I felt the power of God come on me. And, uh, and it was like flame on, you know, I started to speak in tongues and I knew from that moment, everybody on earth needs to know that Jesus is alive and he's powerful and he loves you. It's hard to go past that, Sean, for both my, it's both my first and of course my most powerful encounter. But, you know, we had a, we had another powerful encounter. I mean, with one that's worth talking about right now, you know, my, my wife and I were, um, this is 2009 now, and uh, we'd already been in ministry together for, um, you know, maybe 15 years or so. We actually met in YWAM. Um, oh, wow. Shout out to all our YWAMers. Yeah. And so hey. when I was 18, I, yeah, I left home, went off to YWAM, and that's where I met Jody. She came, it was in New Zealand. She came over from Australia. She is Australian. And uh, and we did YWAM together, and then we got married, and, and, and we became pastors and missionaries, and we've just been, been doing all of that good stuff. And we just got hungry for more. There was just this season where we just knew that there was more, you know. And so we had this season where we decided, you know what, we're just going to press into God. And we had five months, um, about five months of praying like four to eight hours every day and just really pressing in. I mean, this was nighttime mornings, you know, we were still, you know, doing all our, our work and stuff during the day, but we were just really pressing in and going after God. And essentially, to cut, cut a longer story short, it culminated in us waking up in the middle of the night with an angel standing on the end of our bed. Whoa. And, yeah, woe is right. 
you know, this was not a fluffy encounter. This was not like, I think that was an angel. This was, I woke up um, screaming. I, I was fast asleep. It was about 1230 at night. And, uh, and all of a sudden this power, this it, electricity is an inadequate word, but it's the best word really. I felt this like electricity just surging up and down my body. And uh, I woke up screaming. Like I woke up, not just a little gentle scream. I was screaming at the top of my lungs uh, because of the intensity. It wasn't a pain, but it was just an intense, you know. And while I'm screaming, I realized Jody's hitting me. <laughs> and she's Whoa. like, she's hitting me next to me. She's like, Ben, 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 there's an angel, there's an angel, there's an angel. And so standing on the end of our bed was this angel, 10 to 12 feet tall, um, on our bed. It was actually on our bed, feet on either side of our bed. And uh, and it had a very serious look, bright white, had this golden sash. And essentially, it was a very strong commissioning from the Lord. It was an angel yeah. from Zechariah 4. There's a longer story to this, which, you know, it, I, it's a whole chapter in my book, this one encounter. But the Lord was commissioning us. It was from Zechariah chapter 4. It was an angel of awakening. And the Lord gave us a mandate to start a ministry and call it Pour It Out. So in Zechariah 4, there's this angel comes and awakens um, he wakens the man up and, uh, and it talks about this picture of the olive trees and the oil flowing down the golden pipes to the lampstand. And the lampstand represents the church. And of course, the oil is the, the, the presence of God, the oil of the presence that keeps the lampstand burning, that keeps the fire burning. And so he gave us a mandate to go to go and pour out the oil of his presence and power in the nations. And uh, that was in 2009 and literally overnight, Sean everything changed in our lives. Wow. We, started, we started getting invited all around the world. We, we were booked up for six months in advance. Um, but I want to point out this. I want to point out this is a really important part of this encounter. The, the fear of the Lord filled the, our bedroom, right? So when the angel was gone, the fear of the Lord filled our bedroom like a heavy, weighty blanket. And I mean, wow. I, was, I was afraid to breathe. I was afraid to move because I felt like if I do it wrong, I'm going to explode. Like there was such an intensity of the awe and the presence and the holiness and the purity and the awesomeness of God. And uh, and so, and that's, that was actually with us both for weeks. We were afraid to talk to each other, you know, because we were wow. afraid that because every, it was like every thought and agenda of our heart was being measured. You know, like if I say, if I say, oh, how are you doing? Like, do I really care how she's doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I, am I coming from a pure place when I ask this question? You know what I mean? Like, this is the level of, of how our hearts were just like, um, just overwhelmed by the fear of the Lord. And, uh, and even just talking about it now, you know, that sense of the holiness and awesomeness of God comes back. Yeah. You know? So, man, I think, first of all, bro. Oh man, my heart is just, I got fallout goosebumps. Like you share that. <laughs> I felt like an angel just came in my room, man. This, this is amazing. I think that connects to our second question, Ben. And man, my goodness, I, I could just have a shout break because what you just shared is so, <laughs> is so riveting and inspiring. But why do you feel like encounters are so crucial in the economy of God, God's eternal purpose? Why are encounters so crucial? You know, I made up a word and it's actually the last word of my book. And that is the word encounterable, you know, that God is truly encounterable. And, and, you know, we were created for relationship. You know, it's not just that encounters are important. Encounters are the whole point. Like we were created to be with God, to experience each other. You know, God goes when he, in the beginning, when he creates the world, he creates this beautiful world 
And then in the midst of that, he creates the Garden of Eden, which is like paradise in the midst of it. It's, it's unfathomable for us. Like, what, what must the Garden of Eden look like? But, you know, he's the God that created whales and he created shrimp. All of this is a, a, is a reflection of the character and nature of God. This is the beauty so good, of bro. God. This is why he created. This is who he is, you know. And so then he creates the Garden of Eden. He puts Adam and Eve in there. And it talks about how Adam and Eve would get to walk in the cool of the afternoon with God, you know. Wow. Just, just hanging out with God. And um, you imagine those conversations and it's like, oh, Adam, you know, so what do you think of the giraffe? You know what I mean? Like, what do you think of that that guy? You know, and, and uh, I was listening to your podcast recently and hearing about guys going to this, this zoo, you know, or not a zoo, like a safari place, you know, and yeah. seeing all the animals and that. And, and so I just imagine God and Adam having these conversations. And we often talk about when Adam and Eve sinned, how they lost that, how they lost the walking in the garden with God. But we mm. seldom talk about what God lost. Wow. You know, we don't talk about what God lost. God went to all of this. He created this unimaginably beautiful planet. And then the pinnacle of creation, Adam and Eve, and he puts us in the garden. This is us. You know, he puts us in the garden. And then he walks and he hangs out with his kids. And then we sin and he has to kick them out of the garden. And he can't. He doesn't get to walk anymore. But yeah. Jesus, Jesus, the Bible tells us, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. That's right. So right at the beginning, there's a decision. Jesus says, you know what? I will pay the price. They're going to mess it up, but I will pay the price. I will go. I will go. And so Jesus, like the the, the Old Testament, is essentially this 4,000-year journey of, of God attempting to win us back, to pay the price, to bring us back to himself. You know, and all through the Old Testament, we see these incredible stories, and he nearly cheats a few times. And this is the long answer to your question, I know, but I think this oh, is really, you. really important. You know, like we, we see even with Moses and the whole whole of Israel, all the Hebrews, you know, they're at Mount Sinai, and, and then he's like, hey, Moses, tell them all, sanctify themselves, because tomorrow... I'm going to come down. I'm going to come down and be with them. You know, God so wants to be with us. He so wants to be with us. And he's like, okay, get them to clean themselves all up, purify themselves. I'm going to come down. And then he comes and, and like, and it says that he, you know, he comes with the lightning and the thunder and his power is displayed. And the Israelites, they all go, whoa, 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 whoa. They all kind of freak out and they're like, don't speak to us. Just speak to Moses. Yeah. And like, what a, what a, what a, what a um, painful and horrible um, experience. You think oh, my heart goes out to God. And he actually says this. He says, you know what? I came like that. I came like that so that they would not sin. Right. Yes. Because you know why? Because the sin was going to separate them. He wanted to be with them. And so he's like, you know what? If I come and I display my power, I come, like, I'm going to release this fear and the, the, the fear of the Lord in a good way, this holy right. reverence that, that they would stay pure, that they wouldn't sin so that we could actually be together. Right. But they, they don't. And so we continue this journey. And, of course, we get to Jesus. And then Jesus, we know what happens. He willingly goes to the cross. In Hebrews 12, he says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Right? What was the joy? Us. <laughs> Being with us. Yes. Being with us in the like he was in the garden in the first place, right at the beginning. That was the joy that was set before him. And so he dies on the cross. And I love that the very first thing we see when he dies is, you know, here's the Holy of Holies and this veil, right? The veil that literally was the symbolic of the separation between God and man. 
So wow. we're separated by this veil, right? And we, man could not go into the holy place. They could, we could not go in and experience the presence of God. The priest could only go in once a year after all of this ritual to go in. Uh, but we could just... It's separated, and this veil was not some lacy curtain. It was four to six inches thick. It was matted hair and material. I mean, this is a chunky, huge veil. But the right. very first thing when Jesus dies, he says, it is finished. I always imagine it happened like this, Sean. The Father himself steps down, and he grabs that veil, and he tears the veil from top to bottom. And the thing that separated us was now just completely destroyed. This 4,000-year journey from the Garden of Eden to the cross, it was over. And now we could once again be with him. So when we talk about encounters, we're not talking about just having these little spooky goosebump moments. We're actually talking about Emmanuel God with us. We're talking about we were created to be in that place of relationship. We were created to be in that place of experience, that place of intimacy. You know, it's not just reserved for some some goosebump moment. Even though I wrote a book about encounters, you know, and there's there's 20 different chapters of these significant encounters, I actually end the book, spoiler alert, saying that, you know, even though we have these mountaintop kind of encounters, God is the God of the everyday encounter. He is the God of the everyday encounter. He wants to be with us every day. Ben, man, you just hit two things that's so significant. Number one, you just brought theological framework, but the whole aspect of number one, 24 seven, everyday lifestyle of encounter, not spooky goosebumps. And then you put it in the framework that an encounter is a means to an end, although it is the end as well, because you describe it in a way of it's just unbroken communion with the father. It's walking with Jesus. Man, that, that's so profound. So knowing that, what is the key to unlocking encounters or unlocking a lifestyle of encounters? Right. Well, you know, first of all, it's that revelation that we've just talked about, that God wants to be with us, that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us, you know, and that he wants to be. And and even the call to the secret place comes you know, it begins with this understanding that Jesus wants to meet with us. And so he's not just there in the secret place. Of course, he's always with us. But there is something about the the abiding, the taking the specific time to actually soak. You know, we have the um, parable that Jesus spoke about, the 10 virgins, right? The wise and the foolish virgins. Now, it's important to learn from this that they were all, they were all virgins, right? So it's like they were all Christians. So this yeah. was not evil people and good and good people. These were 10 virgins that were waiting, you know, for the wedding. And five of them were called wise because they kept the oil full. And the others, their lamps had run out, the oil had run out. What does that mean? It means that we need to keep the oil full, that we can actually lose the oil. We can run out, right? And of course, yes. in Psalm 23, David says, He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. In order for there to be overflow, there's got to be a constant pouring in and a constant pouring out. Um, the key to encountering the presence is literally just taking the time, you know, to, to really simplify it as well. You know, one of the promises we have in the Bible from the Psalms is that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so I love to always talk about how how praise, worship is like the express lane into his presence. Oh, I love that. Find out what the devil hates and do that. Right. Now, <laughs> now I mean, we've got to find out what God loves and do that, of course. I'm not taking away from that. But, you know, we get this little clue that if the devil hates it, right, there's a clue right there where we need That's to right. do that. And, right. of course, one of the biggest things, well, what, what have we learned from the last couple of years? We've learned that, one, 
the devil hates us getting together, right? There's power yeah. in us meeting together because he's done everything he can to stop us meeting. Two, he's done everything he can to shut our mouths, right? To stop Ooh. even down, to try to stop us from singing, right? So there must be power in our praise. There must be power in us meeting together and there must be power in us speaking out. And one of the key ways he's done that is with fear and intimidation. Why has the enemy tried so hard to intimidate the God's people? Because he knows what often we don't. If we open up our mouths, <laughs> we win and he loses. So everything, anyway, that's kind of off topic a little bit right there. But No, yeah, so that's profound, bro. <laughs> so the keys really to encountering him is the revelation, knowing that he wants us to, and then actually pursuing him. And I don't want, it's easy, but I don't want to make it overly simple because all through the Bible, Sean, God invites us to pursue him. He says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open, will be open. Then he says, if you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. And then on top of all of that, he says in Hebrews eleven six, and this is my key scripture, really, even in my book. And when I signed the book, I always put Hebrews eleven six in there because it says, um, first it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it says, if anyone wants to come to God, he must one, first believe that he exists, and two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So not only does God invite us to come after him, promise that we'll find him, he says, I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And what does he reward us with? Himself. (laughs) Himself. He is the pearl of great price. He is what every single one of us is looking for. He is what every, you know, I study, I read, uh, you know, and a lot of people who die and they go to heaven and they come back. And overwhelmingly, you know, what people say, they say, yeah, like, man, the grass is awesome and the streets of gold and the sea of glass is incredible. He says, but the overwhelming sense of the love and presence of God. Jesus is the pinnacle. He is the pearl of great price. He is the one that every single one of us wants. And I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, everybody wants a king like Jesus. Man, oh my goodness. Your thing of saying that phrase, that praise is the express lane into encounters. Bro, that's that's a walk away. That's a tweetable. There's one more question I want to, I want to squeeze in. How do encounters become catalysts for revival and awakening? You were mentioning the year and a half revival that you guys had in Australia. How do encounters become catalysts to revival and what I believe, and I'm sure you do too, the billion soul harvest in the earth that's coming? Well, of course, it's all, everything we do is about Jesus. Everything we do is about the gospel. The thing I love the most about revival is that Jesus gets really real. Jesus gets really real. And, you know, we we have a really strong emphasis, you know, of the, the marriage between revival and evangelism. Because in revival, like I said, Jesus gets real. The lamps get full. We, we encounter Jesus. We have these, these acts chapter um, two type experiences where we're in the upper room and we encounter Jesus, you know, and then so, so it gets to the point where, you know, Peter and John in Acts, in Acts three, you know, they're on their way to the prayer meeting, right? Now they've just been in revival. They're literally, and then, so they've encountered God, the Holy Spirit's been poured out. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They're on their way to a prayer meeting. That's the next thing we see, which always kind of fascinates me. As we turn the page to Acts 3, Peter and John are on their way to a prayer meeting. And we're like, man, if anyone didn't need a prayer meeting, it was probably Peter and John, right? <laughs> They'd just been in the upper room. But they obviously knew something about the presence of God and the, mm. and the abiding and the continuing so good, to, to press in. And on their way, they meet the beggar at the gate called Beautiful. They release this healing over him. You know, they're like, hey, I left my wallet in the upper room. Sorry, but what I do have, I give you. I mean, we can preach a whole message right there because they knew what they had, right? 
And here's what I have. I give it to you. And they're thrown in prison. They're beaten up and they're told, do not preach about Jesus anymore. And their answer is, we cannot help it. Some translations say, we cannot but tell of the things that we've seen and experienced. Right, and this is what happens in revival. This is what happens when, when you're in this place. Like this is what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that we come in together, we experience God, we get filled up, we get equipped. We need healing, we get healed, and we come out of that place like, man, I've just experienced God, and I need to tell everybody this week what what I experienced in that place, and of course in our daily lives. But this is what it's supposed to look like when we come together. This is the the um, the marriage between revival and evangelism that that we're, we're so full of the presence that we're so experiencing God in a real way that that turns into us spilling out onto the streets and telling everybody else about him, that we become a burning bush encounter because ultimately it's all about the gospel. It's all about the simple gospel. Every Like what happened to me in that barn in New Zealand, nothing's changed. I was 15, I met Jesus, and I knew that everybody on earth needed to meet him as well. Man, Ben, that I actually have never... I've seen it, but I've not seen it the way you articulated to look at Acts 2 as the encounter and to look at what happened after that as actually the fruit of encounter because they had an encounter in the upper room and to see all of that and to think it began in that barn in New Zealand sitting on hay and man, now what you guys are walking in and what you guys are seeing, this is so rich, man. This is amazing. Hey, Ben, why don't you share with us about your book and about any projects or how people listening and keep it 100. We've got a pretty, we've got a growing tribe here of people and I know they're going to want to follow you and, and stay connected to what you and Jody and, and man, the team is doing. So why don't you share with us how they can do that? Yeah. Well, our ministry is called pour it out ministries. And so our website is pouritout.org and everything's available on there. Of course, you can follow us on socials. You can, um, there's a store button. And, um, so the book, when God breaks in, God, God, literally I was in worship. I was actually at Bethel and I was in worship and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Ben, I want you to write a book about the encounters that you've had with me that have been kind of fork in the road type moments. And so I, I wrote this down and every chapter as I write, I, I mean, I would just cry because just recounting these encounters, this place with God. And I, I mean, there's, like I said, there's my salvation story that I shared at length is, this is one when, you know, when the angel stands on the end of our bed, but there's even simple things. And we know times when we're in really, really hard places and, you know, there was a, there was a moment, I remember one, one of the chapters, is, it's actually called A Fork in the Road, I think, where we were, we were like Jody was on the, the verge of death, you know what I mean? And it was a wow. very, very difficult time. And I, I actually had to go and line up and get a, like a, a, to a food bank, you know, because we, our finance would all run out. Now, this is after the angel stood on our bed. This is after we've already traveled the world, preaching big conferences, all the rest of it. Suddenly I'm in this place of like, man, everything is just really, really hard. And getting back to my car with this food parcel and, uh, and just crying and bursting into tears and saying, okay, God, what the heck is going on? And then God speaking to me in that place, you know, and I've been able to come to a place of resolve right there where it was like, you know what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our God is able to deliver us from this fire and he will, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Um, so people can go to our website, pouritout.org slash store for that book. And uh, I'll put a um, I'll put a discount code on there as well. We'll just call it keep it 100, right? Keep it 100. 
and uh, and we'll give you twenty five percent off the book from our website there as well. So, but also you know we do a, we do a, um, I'd love to invite people every Saturday night at uh, five p.m. Pacific time. Well, it's eight p.m. Eastern. We do a um, broadcast on God TV's Facebook page, yeah. and uh, and every single week we see people saved, we see people healed. Just this past Saturday night, we saw 71 decisions for Jesus, demons wow. coming out of people, miracles breaking out. We'd love to invite you to um, just join us for that. And You guys, I cannot recommend Ben and Jody Hughes enough. You need to get this book, When God Breaks In. Ben, man, thanks so much for stopping by and sharing with this man, bro. What you shared was so rich, so transformative, man. We're going to have to have you back on later down the line in the future. Oh, it's such an honor, such a joy. We love you guys and all you're doing. We, we're cheering, championing you guys. It's, it's amazing all God's doing with you guys. We're excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh my word. I mean, I don't know about you. I hear that interview and I want more of Jesus. I just want to go get on my face and I'm just crying out for a fresh encounter because what a powerful story Ben has walked through. And I don't know about you, that story about the encounter with the angel. I tell you what, you know, uh, Sean, I pray for that all the time. Like I want an encounter like that. I hear that I'm so provoked and I just know, God, if you did it for Ben, you can do it for me. I think there's some listeners where you're crying out just like I am like, Lord, I want that. I want us like I want you like me to continue to ask for God for those fresh encounters because I believe God is a God of encounter. As always, keep it 100. Tribe, we have for you our keep it 100 takeaways. In this episode, we're going to talk about five encounter principles. Principle number one. Principle number one is simply this. You know what the biggest struggle is? Your biggest struggle is not the devil, not the demons of this or that, not the principality, not the power of here or there, not your past. The biggest struggle is you because you are your biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. Whatever is competing for my affections and my attention that I allow to pull me away from my God focus. It's not just the flesh within. Sometimes it's pulls without, but this thing of allowing rival affections, idols in our life is, it comes out in the passage in Psalms 24, three to four, that says, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? who has clean hands and a pure heart, and here it goes, who does not lift up his soul to an idol. So the biggest struggle is what we choose to focus on. And I declare right now that we are not going to focus on the devil. We're focusing on Jesus because that is the open passageway to a fresh encounter. I love that. So well said, baby. And you know, the second takeaway for really experiencing an encounter God is to embrace the stripping season. There are so many times where, you know, we have these encounters with God, but in order for that encounter to have happened, a stripping and a refining process had to take place first and foremost in our lives. Has anyone uh, had that experience? I know I have. I'm sure some of our listeners are like raising their hand right now going, that is me. You've had the stripping, this time of consecration where you've just recognized that God is stripping things down to a foundation level where it's just you and him. He's removing those safety nets. He's removing those false reliances, even those false comforts of like us finding our peace in in any place that isn't him. God's like, I'm going to remove that. I'm going to allow me and you to go to a deeper place of intimacy, because really, if you want me, I have to remove false uh, dependencies in your life. It has to be about Jesus. You know, so many of us who've encountered the Lord, what led up to that wonderful experience was not a mountaintop, but in fact, a valley. You know, we really see this 
this illustrated in Isaiah 6, in the year King Uzziah died. You know, this is when Isaiah said the statement, I saw the Lord. There was this fresh stripping, this fresh consecration that happened as Isaiah surrendered to the Lord. That's when the hot coals touched his lips. And there was a fresh surrender that happened, and it ultimately became his greatest encounter. It was after the stripping season. It was after that moment of really coming to the Lord and saying, God, just have your way with me. That's where the encounter took place. It's not always in the mountaintops. It's often in the valleys. And you know, the very interesting place and thought with that is a simple fact that Isaiah after that said, here I am, Lord, send me. So he got sent. He had an encounter. He became an encounter. Third encounter principle is God can actually be someplace and you don't perceive it. You don't recognize it. This is found in Genesis 28, 16, and Jacob is there. And Jacob has this amazing thing where angels ascend and descend upon a ladder. And he says in Genesis 28, 16, the Lord was there and he didn't even know it. Is it possible sometimes? And and obviously the context is Jacob is wrestling. Do you know that God could actually encounter you through your wrestle? There's some people, listeners right now, you're wrestling with an issue. You're wrestling with something in your life. And that whole wrestle is actually indicative that you are having an encounter with God. So good. I love that. You know, the fourth takeaway is if your pursuit of the divine encounter is not to know Christ better, then it's a counterfeit pursuit. I want that to sink in to our listeners because I believe it really is illustrated so beautifully in Matthew 17, one through eight. The paraphrase of that is when Jesus was transfigured in front of the disciples, Peter then wanted to build a house for Moses and Elijah because here's Jesus transfigured. They see Moses, they see Elijah, and the Peter's like, oh, can I build a house for them? And the Lord corrects Peter and he's like, no, this is my son. And he brings it back to what this encounter and the purpose of the encounter wasn't about Moses and Elijah. It was about Jesus. So when the disciples fell on their face in the glory of the transfiguration, when they looked up, there was no one there but Jesus. I think it's such a perfect illustration of so many times we look to other things that God does in fact use. But if it's not always leading us back to the feet of Jesus, if it's not leading us back to who Jesus is, then it's distracting us from what the main point is. The main point of what we're doing is to encounter more of him. You know, that is so profound, man, that just needs to sink in. It's just got to be about Jesus. You know, it's funny as we talked earlier about David Young E. Cho, he wrote a book about faith and he just talked about all these miraculous encounters and all these incredible miracles he saw. But it really reminds me of what our fifth principle that we're going to close with is all about. Common sense Christians almost immediately disqualify themselves from God encounters. Because so many times, common sense Christians tragically stop short of a divine encounter because they're satisfied with good theology, good meeting, good teaching, feeling good, maybe a good church service, but there's so much more to that. And the opposite of common sense Christians are Christians that are willing to open up and trust the Lord, trust Holy Spirit to lead them in places that your mind can't take you. You're not going to get there by calculation. You're going to get there by revelation. As we come to a conclusion with this week's episode, we just want to simply encourage you that we don't want to be people that just talk about divine encounters. Can we get delivered from that? (laughs) Can we get delivered from talking about divine encounters and actually start having them and really pursuing a fresh encounter with Jesus? Because you and I know the fuel and the flame and the fire of our last encounter will diminish if we don't keep having a fresh encounter. And I believe you as our listener need to be reminded right now that you
you serve a God, I serve a God, we serve a God that is not trapped in the history book. He's not trapped in, in what was. No, no, he's a living God who's the same today than he ever was. So what he did before, friends, he wants to do again. And so if you find yourself in a predicament, you're finding yourself in a valley, in a hard place, if you're feeling like you're like, I can relate to you, Ben, feeling addicted, bullied, without hope, without purpose, without identity, you're finding yourself in a hard place, I want you to know God wants to encounter you. He did not come to this earth so that you would live a life that was full of bondage, that was a subpar version of what the enemy has intended for you to do. No, God has called you to live a life of impact, of influence, and greatness because he created you to be one that represents him. And our God is great. Therefore, you're called to walk in greatness. So you need to be asking the question, why not here? Why not now? And why not me? Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms. And check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. You do not want to miss our next episode, Keep It 100 Tribe as we will speak to not allowing your relationship status to rattle your well-being. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it